Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. You say this morning that your hope is built on the blood of Jesus Christ. You say this morning that your hope is built on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And can you say this morning, He is Lord, Lord of all. Will you say that with me? He is Lord, Lord of all. I know we just sang it. Uh, but praise the Lord that we can say that with, with honesty. And maybe this morning, uh, maybe we can't say that uh, too readily. And may the Lord bring us closer and closer to Him. And that relationship of, and our understanding of who He is and who we are or who we can be in Him, in Jesus Christ, first and foremost. Amen? Please be seated as we pray. Lord, we continue before You in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we worship you. We exalt you, Lord. Lord, we want you in our lives to be in your rightful place. And Lord, we, I recognize this morning that's not easy. We recognize this morning, Lord, that it, it, it's not easy to, to get out of the driver's seat. Or, or to get out of that, that place of control, wanting, wanting to be the one who makes the decisions, wanting to be the one who feels like I'm in charge of my life, wanting to be the one who says, I'm enough. But Lord, we recognize this morning that when we do that, that's about our flesh. But that's about our trying to be who we want to be. And Lord, help us, help me to know what it is to let go, to let go of, 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 of the want or the seeming need to be in control and to give you control, to give you the wheel, to give you the reins. Lord, to set aside and say, Lord, I, I don't understand it all, but increase my faith. Increase our faith so that we can release to you and say, I know that I am in your hands. Nothing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And Lord, in our individual lives, in our family lives, and in our life as a church, May it be so. And we can say amen. Amen. May it be so, Lord. And Lord, again, we pray about tomorrow. And God, we pray for this election. Knowing that many people have, have already voted. But Lord, I thank you. Uh, you are outside of time. And even though we may, we may pray in a linear way, uh, you're beyond that. And God, I thank you that we can pray about tomorrow. Lord, thank you for this evening when we will gather to do that as well. And oh God, my prayer, our prayer, Lord, I trust is for this nation. 
Lord, that we would be a nation that would turn back to you. And God, whether it, whether it starts with the leaders of this country or it starts with the leaders of the province or it starts with the leaders of a municipality or it starts with ordinary people like us sitting in these chairs today because revival begins with each one of us. Renewal begins with a changed heart. Restoration begins with relationship with you. God, I pray that in and through this election, Lord, and beyond this election, God, that the, that the, that the people who are, who are placed in power, as Chris, as Chris prayed earlier, Lord, whether they're followers of you not yet or not, Lord, that that would be, Lord, that, that people would be truly malleable, uh, truly, truly able to be shaped by you, And God, I pray for the leaders of this country for an encounter with you through the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus so that God, against all odds, against all opposition, whatever it may be, that there would be a recognition of what a mess our lives are without you and how desperately We need intervention. How desperately we need divine intervention in a world that is just filled with confusion. It is filled with chaos. It is filled with anger and hatred and war because the prince of this world is given too much dominion. And Lord, we want to say in the spiritual realm, And in the physical realm, Lord, we want to say enough in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we are praying and recognizing that we have authority and power and victory over the evil one through Jesus Christ, our Lord, through your blood, through your righteousness, through the cross, and through the Holy Spirit. And oh Lord, give us courage in our day-to-day lives as well, we pray. God, as I think of this country too, I want to pray today. Uh, I want to pray today for the Esau's in Chilliwack. And Lord, as they are involved in, in, in technical and in broadcast, uh, Lord, would you use them? Lord, would you use them so that your word can be spread? And Lord, we pray too for Pamir Ministries uh, that we do support as well. And Lord, as they send uh, your great message uh, to places that are sensitive, uh, God, would you, would you, Lord, continue to do the incredible work that you are doing of bringing to yourself hundreds and hundreds of people. But Lord, we want to see that in Canada too. Lord, we want to see people freed, freed from the confusion of who they are to who they can be in Jesus. And God, may that start with me and with each one of us in this place, with the church of Jesus Christ, that we would be in this world, not of it, and that message of good news of Jesus would just ooze from us. Lord, we continue to commit this time to you in Jesus' name. And God's people say, amen and amen. Amen.
Is it good to be together? I hope it is for you. Thank you to the musicians this morning. Thank you to our, our readers, who I'm going to uh, invite up in just a moment. And we're going to hear from, uh, from God's Word some passages from the first, uh, first three chapters of Genesis. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps up on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and every other living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life. I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord, caused, the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did you really say you must not eat from any of the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the, from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. 
And you will not surely die, the servants said to the woman, for God knows that what you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for, gain, to, for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl in your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you have listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life, and it will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. This is the word of the Lord. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. In our society nowadays, identity theft is a pretty big concern, especially in our digital age. I don't know if you personally have have encountered identity theft or you have been a a victim of, of fraud that way. Last month, a Regina man was arrested, faced 40 charges relating to 131 different victims. Uh, The police found in his car break and enter tools, several pairs of gloves, a balaclava, some house keys, and then in a computer bag, they found a bunch of driver's licenses, passports, checks, and other personal documents. And as the police reported, None of those things was in the name of the suspect. Of course not. They were in the names of the victims. And we've heard of lots of other situations. Wallets being stolen, and within a half an hour, the time that it took for the person to realize it and then to report it, within a half an hour, tens of thousands of dollars were racked up on the credit cards that were in the wallet from a thief and a fraudster. 
I've heard of mortgages being put on houses that didn't have mortgages, where a family had their mortgages paid off, but somebody was able, because they had stolen some documents or, or had, had uh, online, had trolled and had, had found some identity of another person, was able to get a mortgage, withdraw the money, and the person then had to deal with the banks and get that resolved. Well, this morning we've been, we begin a series, as, as we know, entitled Identity Crisis. Who do you think you are? We want to be careful how we ask that question, right? Uh, it's, it's intended to be asked nicely, uh, not who do you think you are? <laughs> but rather, who do you think you are? Take time to reflect on questions like, and I encourage you to, today and, and during the week, who do you think you are? Who am I, really? What ultimately defines my identity? What ultimately describes and defines who I am, ultimately? There are plenty of ways uh, to answer the question, who are you, or who am I? And I do have some slides. I have a a few scriptures and, and, and some other slides this morning. Uh, plenty of ways, just even as we saw in that, in that video today, to ask the question, who are you or who am I? Uh, our name, for example. You meet a new person and they ask, who are you? And you'll probably start with your name. Say, oh, I'm so-and-so. I'm Randall. And then you move on and people say, well, who are you? What do you do? And talk about your work or or your vocation. You say, I'm a teacher, or I'm a nurse, or I'm a carpenter, or I'm an engineer, or I'm a bus driver, or I'm a farmer, or I'm a politician, or heaven forbid, I'm a pastor. And the people just they kind of clam up, or they, they start walking away. Oh, it was, it was really nice to meet you. Thank you very much. Let's not do this again. <laughs> so one of the pictures about education. Some people define themselves by... They're schooling because they're very proud of what they've accomplished. People have a lot of degrees in some cases. and Sometimes they like to make a big point about it or make sure that they're on the wall so you walk in and you see that their identity, oh, that's, that's what they've got. That's who they are. Or maybe your family status where you say, I'm a dad or I'm a mom or, or I'm the fourth of 12 children, which I personally am not. Or your appearance. Do I look good? Am I fashionable? Am I wearing the latest? If you're really tall, people might notice. And they will, somebody will say, well, who, who's so-and-so? And say, well, that's the tall guy. Or maybe you have a, a little wisp of color in your hair. And, uh, and you're noticeable. And that, that's, that's kind of cool. It's kind of neat. Maybe you have noticeable tattoos. And that has become defining for you and representing who you are, who you believe that you are. It could be your accomplishments. Uh, I've heard some retired people, when, they, when they're asked who they are, they feel that they, that they need to go back and introduce themselves by describing what they used to do, in some cases, in order to project it or to get an understanding and project themselves to get the understanding, you know, I'm really worth something because this is who I was. I'm not doing that anymore, but... 
but, but this is all that I've done and all that I've accomplished. And people really want that to be known. Maybe it's sexual orientation or gender. Because I find and we found that these days that has become a very prominent way for people to define themselves. Have you noticed that? To such an extent that that becomes people's value. To say, you know, how I self-describe in my gender or my sexual orientation, that's who I am. That becomes their identity, your personality, your hobbies, where you live, what you own, who you know, throwing those things as well and, and, and other things too. And maybe, maybe you're defined by your favorite sports team. You might know that Canada has a men's soccer team. Some people don't know that. I mean, if you were here last Sunday, you know. You might know that on Tuesday evening, they played a match against the U.S. soccer team, who were in the World Cup two World Cups ago. Didn't make it last year. Neither did Canada. Do you know who won the game? Well, I guess you can tell because I've got a little bravado in my voice. Isn't that awesome? Well, it is. Anyway, it is to me. Pretty exciting when Canada beats the U.S. 2-0. 2-0. They sure did. And when hockey season comes along, it has been said, and it's really believed by, by many, that in Montreal, for one place, for example, people would say hockey is a religion. Hockey is so big to some people that it consumes them as fans during the year, and their mood will ebb and flow with how the Canadians are doing, and or maybe how the Leafs are doing, uh, or how the Canucks are doing, but anyhow, they don't do so well. <laughs> it's a new year. So let me ask this question. Should we be, should who we are be determined by what we do? Or should what we do be determined by who we are? I mean, I would suggest it it really ought to be the latter. That it isn't that we are what we eat, but rather we eat based on what we believe and who we are. And even when we say things like, oh, you know, I really shouldn't eat that, Who we really are is somebody who wants to eat that, right? Because my, my, my answer would be, well, you know, if you shouldn't eat that, well, just set that right back down. Or maybe don't, don't pick it up in the first place. There are times in life when we struggle to really know who we are, aren't there? It's often true for children, particularly through adolescence. And it, it's, it's, not to, it's not to out adolescence. It's just to say that, that during that time when there's substantial physical, physiological change going on, there is a real struggle at times to fit in, right? To belong, 
have an understanding of who I am. You end, you, you end post-secondary education or you end through high school, start looking for a career, looking for a job, that can be tenuous. That can be a challenge. That can be a struggle. Yeah, I'm not, I, I don't like what I'm doing. I, I don't know who I am. I don't, I don't know what, I, what I'm going to do. Because our identity gets, gets wrapped up in that. Maybe you've had that experience lately at whatever stage in your life. People come to retirement and some people hit a crisis when they come to retirement because they were defined by what they were doing. Now they say, who am I now? I, I, str- I struggle to have the value that I had now that I don't do what I did. For me, I know my name. I know my vocation. I know what degrees I have. I know what I look like. I know what I've done. I know where I've been. I know what my favorite team is and all the rest. Can I be honest this morning and tell you that I am one of those people right now in my life who struggles with who I am? Because, I said, I don't want to bring this up every week, but I thank you to those who have said to me, you know, it's okay, you can talk about what you're going through. The one person who so meaningfully defined me for the last 28 years was snatched from our family and her life on earth is over. And who I am and who I have been has been so defined by that relationship. No other relationship more important to me on this earth. And there's a real test when those sorts of things come to say, who am I really? And what is my relationship with God looking like now? Is it going to dissolve on this end? Am I going to come apart? Am I going to spiral? Am I going to get mad at God because something happened that's out of my control that I don't like? That often becomes for people the defining reality for them about whether or not they will continue in their relationship with God when crisis hits. And I will admit that there are times when I am feeling so adrift. Like I'm out on a lake and I just have no idea where I'm going. Feels that way. And so I'm, I'm faced afresh with the question, as many of us are at different times, who are you really? Mortality, as well as the beginning of life, the end of life as well as the beginning of life, help us face the questions of who we are. Help us face the question of what really matters in life when we're looking square in the face of the beginning or the ending of life. Should who we are be determined by what we do or should what we do be determined by who we are? So this morning we had portions of of the creation story read with thanks to our readers. God created Adam and Eve. And just briefly, let me say, I realize that not everyone takes literally the account of the origin of humans. And I will say that in the evangelical church, That is on the rise of people and leaders in the church who are questioning and saying, I'm not sure that I believe that actually happened. That at best, it's an allegory or parable, and at worst, it's a fable. 
And I understand that. I understand the struggle with that. But one of the reasons that I encourage an openness and I believe in a miraculous, and I accept a miraculous creation, not because it's easy. Is that okay to say? But one of the reasons is because Jesus said in Mark 10, he's talking about divorce and remarriage. And Jesus said, but at the beginning of creation, God made the male and female. Thank you. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. At the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. So it sounds to me like Jesus is affirming the reality of Adam and Eve. He doesn't name them, but it seems to me that that is the reality that he is he's affirming. I believe the universe and this earth are two mind-blowingly amazing and intricate to not have a designer. And I accept the creation account not because it makes human sense, but neither does the virgin birth and neither does the resurrection. And so when I sit on a committee with, with, with young pastors uh, who want to be pastors with us, we can have that dialogue together and say, if you have a struggle with the miraculous, do you have a struggle with the resurrection? Uh, because the re- resurrection also is something that undeniably does not make sense in human terms. But I believe that if God is truly the designer of all that is good, designer of the universe and of this earth, then God is able to overstep what he has created and the order that he has put in in place, which is the, the beautiful reality that is understood and discovered through science. But God, the creator, has the ability, like any creator of something, has the ability to overstep that and to step in and do something that is miraculous. This earth is the one place where there is this perfect balance. The only known place in the universe where there is an environment for life, of human life, uh, not just the evidence of a little bit of life, but sustained life where we can live and move and have our being. And if we're wrong about creation, if I'm wrong about creation, and God used some sort of a billions of years long process culminating in Homo sapiens and represented by this story, and let me add that both scenarios require a lot of faith, don't they? Both of them require a lot of faith. I will eat humble pie if we're wrong, uh, knowing that none of us was there to witness it. And whatever we do believe has to be taken by faith. But I also want to uphold the inerrancy of the Bible as the revealed written word of God. It's a very important value to me. Uh, it It isn't by everyone. But for me, that is part of the integrity of the inerrancy of the word of God. Regardless, I believe that, that whether or not 
you take that literally, that doesn't need to stand in the way of our understanding of who we are, who we can be in Christ. Creation story reveals what God gave us, the single human race, when he brought us into being. The specifics of our, form, of our formation don't need to be a stumbling block to God's purpose. And I want to mention briefly three things, three major things this morning. First, God gave humankind relationship with him, relationship with the creator. We heard in chapter 3 this morning that the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he's walking in the garden in the cool of the day when there wasn't a molecule of pollution in the garden except the carbon dioxide being breathed out by Adam and Eve and absorbed by the vegetation. And I wouldn't be surprised if the one who was walking in the cool of the day was the second person of the Trinity. Again, we don't know. But I wonder if that was a theophany, a visible representation of God walking with these people he had created, having a relationship with them. And then secondly, God gave humankind eternal physical and spiritual life. In Genesis 2, we read that God formed a man, formed Adam. The word Adam is the word man in Hebrew. It's the same word. He formed man from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man then became a living being. A body is just a corpse without an independent, life-giving spirit. And when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, part of the curse was that their earthly lives would end 930 years for Adam in that perfectly balanced ecosystem that now became tainted by disobedience and by sin. And then third, God gave humankind safety and security without a fear in the world as long as they exercise their freedom to decide by trusting implicitly in the one who gave them life and relationship, safety, and security. They didn't even know they were naked. They didn't even have to style themselves like, how do you like my fig leaves? (laughs) And then after an agonizing decision, and I'm sure it was, for even Adam, after an agonizing decision to disobey God in a pursuit of self that I'm afraid any one of us would have made. I'm certain I would have. And then after a little session of the blame game, the woman you gave me, the serpent who talked to me, as if God didn't know what was going on, Adam and Eve's beautiful identity was ripped off because they tried to follow a path other than one laid out by the great engineer and the loving father who knew what was best for his children, and they wanted to become like God. Their original identities were severely compromised. They were temporarily stolen, if you will. You remember the man in Manitoba last month who took the identities of unsuspecting people, stealing them and masquerading as them. Satan deceived Adam and Eve under the watchful eye of a merciful yet just God. God did not cause sin, but God in his grace and his mercy and his patience, he has a watchful eye as both a merciful and a just God. And they lost the central part of their identity, which was the unbroken earthly life made possible by the spirit, or you may say the soul, that had been given to them by God. 
I don't want to sound casual when I would when I say that it was now like a model that had an expiry date but never used to. People say that about cars and homes and electronics. You know, they don't make them like they used to. I'd say that about our old lawnmower, and I won't say what brand it was, but the last time we brought the, bought the same brand we used to, man, the, the, the one when I was a kid, years and years and years, and then the one I got as, as an adult, a few. It seems that way with, that's what happened with life. You ever wonder why, why there's such a, a prevalence, it seems, more than ever, of mental illness? And I am not exempt from it. When Nick Cardasis was here a few months ago, he's, a, he's a, speaking as a Christian counselor about family and mental health. He said so beautifully that we have been designed for safe love. That's what we were designed for. And wherever that is absent, there will be consequences. In the beginning, there, there was no struggle with the daily mental fight we have about being defined or accepted by what we do or what we think or how we look or where we go or who we know, how we impress what other people think about us. You know, sometimes people say, man, I wish we could just turn the clock back and live like the old order Mennonites. Well, I just wish we could turn the clock back to the perfect days and live like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, even before the fig leaves. But we can't, so let's not try. See, the identity that God gave us at the beginning was the identity of being life-filled, spirit-filled children, safe and secure in sweet relationship with the perfect, loving parent called Father. Not a man but a perfect, loving parent called Father. And I like what Neil Anderson wrote in his book, Victory Over the Darkness, that getting right with God always begins with settling once and for all the fact that God is your loving Father and you are his accepted child. That's where it starts. Can anybody say amen? amen? And I commend this book to you. So last year at this time, you recommended the book Better Together. And this year, I want to commend this book to you. It's called Victory Over the Darkness. And I will be referring to it a number of times throughout this series. I'm going to be drawing from it quite a bit, as well as another book written by Neil Anderson called Bondage Breaker. And I commend it to you so much. There's a sign-up sheet at the Welcome Center and I encourage you, if you don't have a copy of it, and I know a number of you already do, but if you don't have a copy of it, then please sign up and we will get a copy for you and, and, and we will give it to you, sell it to you at, at a reduced rate. And if you say, I'm really, I'm really short to be able to pay for it, then, then we will give it to you. Uh, we'd love for you to have a copy of that book. Strip away the human-made vocations and names and schooling, family status, appearance, accomplishments, gender identity, personality, hobbies, residence, stuff, all of that. And being right with God always begins with settling once and for all the fact that God is your loving Father 
and you are his accepted child. That is a massive stumbling block for many people. And I have found that I am not exempt from it. Because when life swallows us up, or when we find ourselves tripping and falling, doing things, saying things, thinking things that we know we ought not to, it often then becomes that we don't even go to God because we have imposed shame upon ourselves. And we distance ourselves from relationship with God because we think, you know, the time has come or the point has come. Whatever it is that I had done or thought or said, surely God can't forgive me. But I want to encourage you today, that is a lie from the father of lies, from Satan. God does not approve, perhaps, of many of the things that we might do or say. But God will accept us as we are and then conform us gradually more and more into the image of Jesus Christ and accept you as his child, just like my parents accepted me when they adopted me into their family. And we've never looked back. And it might be a stumbling block for you to say, you know, I, I can't receive the words that God accepts me and loves me for who I am and calls me his beloved. I have no doubt that in this room, there are many of us who struggle with that. And there are many of us in this room who struggle with the notion that God is a loving father as opposed to God is looking down on me like a judgmental dad, ready to pull out something to discipline me with. Will you receive this morning that God is a loving father and you are an accepted child? That's where it needs to start. That was the identity that was temporarily stolen. And then next week's message is going to be about how it's been made possible for that identity to be restored. And let me give you a hint. It has to do with Jesus. <laughs> of course it does. As I invite the musicians to the platform, let me invite you with me to ask the Holy Spirit right now, if there's anything that you have made part of your identity that's getting in the way, that's replaced the identity that you've been designed for, if there's anything that you've been chasing after that stands in the way of first and foremost beginning to identify yourself as an accepted child by a loving father, I'm not suggesting we stop everything and sit on top of a mountain or sit on top of a pole and just meditate and consider ourselves as God's children. But rather in our life that we not get pulled into identifying ourselves in any way that prevents us from recognizing and engaging in the identity we were first given as loved and accepted children of God designed to walk with him and follow him. 
and let the rest follow after that. We live in a society that is becoming increasingly confused about identity and is putting new things ahead of us that is so muddying the waters and confusing us about who we are because there are so many options before us, we don't know which one to choose. And my heart breaks over that to see people struggling with who they are. And we're not exempt from that struggle. You're not better because of an understanding of God's love and our acceptance. It doesn't make us better. It doesn't make us arrogant. It doesn't make us personally proud or prideful. But boy, oh boy, does it make me thankful. And does it make me hopeful that we could help people to understand that as the starting place of who we are. Just could we please start with an understanding that there is an amazing creator who is the source of love, who says, I want a relationship with you. I don't care how messed up you are. I don't care what you've done. Because Jesus, the master shepherd, the master friend, master king, he wants to restore all of that. Amen. Amen. May that be so. And this morning as, as we sing, would you would you feel free to worship the Lord? If there's anything that say, boy, I, I need I, I need I need somebody to pray with me. I, I, I just need to process something then. Will you please turn to, you, to a friend if, if there's a friend nearby or please feel free to come to the front. Somebody will be happy to pray with you today. May we get the order of things right. That includes me about who we are. Bless the Lord and amen. Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.